Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Luke chapter 11. And um, we've been going on this journey for uh, several months now, a journey with Jesus. And uh, again, we've been answering this question, hopefully, along the way for all of us, but also as we have guests come in and and even people come and join, um, this important question that Jesus asked his disciples, um, we've already got through that section wherever he, where he asked them this, um, and it was, who do you say that I am? Uh, because he'd asked ask them, who do people say that I am? And, and of course, they said, oh, some John Baptist, some Elijah. Um, and, and, and he says, well, I, I want to know who you say that I am. And again, a very personal issue, very personal question that Jesus was asking his followers at that time. And again, we today, I think, have to answer that question, who is Jesus to us? And uh, because the reality is, if he's not Savior and if he's not Lord, uh, then we're missing a big, we're missing the whole point, not the big, the whole point of why we're here. Um, and again, we saw that last week. Um, but I, I want to share a little bit of something about what we're going to look at this morning before we recap. Uh, a quote, it says this, The Pharisees minded what God spoke, but not what he intended. They were busy in, outward, in the outward work of the hand, but incurious of the affections and choice of the heart. So God was served in the letter, they did not much inquire into his purpose, and therefore they were curious to wash their hands and cared not to purify their hearts. And further, the Pharisees broke Moses' tables into pieces and gathered up fragments, took to, took to themselves what part of duty they pleased, and left the rest alone. Again, uh, as we look forward this morning uh, about uh, the Pharisees and some Pharisaic problems uh, that we see with them in Scripture uh, it's so important for us to look back and, saw, and see what we, we looked at before we get to this. Uh, because, as I said a while ago, it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. We talked about that's the whole point why we're here on this earth. The purpose is for you and I to have a relationship with God. Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on a cross, shed his blood, as we saw in that video, to forgive us, to, to, to pardon us, to justify us uh, in the sight of God, to, to make us his children. And those of us who place our faith in Jesus Christ, again, as Savior and Lord, uh, we are guaranteed eternal life because of his death and resurrection. We have a promise that we will be with the Lord forever. The other side of the coin, the the other option is to spend an eternity in 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 a place called the lake of fire, a place that God created and reserved for Satan and his demons. And of course, there's only two sides. You can go to one, heaven, through Jesus Christ, or you can go to hell or lake of fire uh, with sin and with sinners and with the enemy for all of eternity Uh, but in that in that purpose what we saw last week two important points the first point was this the power of the word of god must never be underestimated if god chose to come to this earth in flesh the word of god incarnate to, to to live out to to breathe out his word that he that he had spoke throughout the generations even from adam till now it's so important for us to grab man There's power in the Word of God. There's power there. There's power there for salvation. There's power there for for righteous living, for instruction, for correction, for reproof. There's all kinds of things there, but there is power 
in the Word of God, and it can't be underestimated. And the second thing that we saw in living out this purpose on this earth is the power of witnessing must never be underestimated. Once you and I are saved, we can't forget that's why God leaves us here. The purpose of us being here is to have a relationship with God. Again, we go back to the Garden of Eden. God created man. Man was taking care of what God gave to man. Let man name the animals, do all that. But God, man walked with God. That was the purpose, to have fellowship with his prized creation. Wasn't good that man was alone, so he created Eve out of Adam. That was great. It was wonderful until sin entered. And that's when the relationship had to be had through faith. Today, face the same exact thing. So we're here to have a relationship with God. Once we obtain that relationship, the important thing is that we are light to those that are still in darkness. And so the power of witnessing must never be underestimated. The fact that you and I are left here as God's children with all the sin, with everything that we just saw in that video, with the greed, with the lust, with the, with the, the, the idolatry, all those things that are still in this world that are causing so many problems, that are breaking so many families, that are, that are ensnaring so many people, that so many people are still lost in, in, in those sins. You and I, as the children of God, haven't been forgiven all that, guaranteed, guaranteed an eternal home with God. We're here for the simple purpose of shining the light that's been shined in our hearts on those in darkness. The Bible says if, if we don't do that, the, the God of this world is going to keep them in darkness. Their, 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 their minds, their hearts are going to stay blinded to the reality unless we who are the children of God, we who are entered into the light, we who have the power of the Word of God, who have the, the Word of God in us, share that with them. And so we've got to take a proactive approach to our life. There's power in witnessing. You and I would not be here, if you're a child of God, you wouldn't be here as a saved child of God if somebody didn't witness to you. Whether it was a preacher, whether it was a friend, whether it was your mom, your dad, grandma, aunt, uncle, whatever. Somebody witnessed to you, and it changed your life. It gave you eternal hope as you place faith in Jesus Christ. We can't underestimate that maybe God wants to use us like that, because I want to tell you this, there's no maybe in that. God leaves you here as his children, as his child, because he wants to use you to shine the light to those in darkness. Again, something so important for us uh, to get. But as we look forward at these Pharisees and look at these specific Pharisee problems this morning, uh, we're going to see very clearly what these people wanted and what many people today want is a religion and entertainment. And we saw that a little bit last week. Remember what Jesus said? The crowd was gathered thick around him, the Bible says. A lot of people were, were gathering around Jesus. And Jesus looks at that whole crowd and says, an evil generation seeks a sign. It's not a very good church growth movement. Uh, method. It's not a very good way to keep people wanting to come back. But Jesus saw their hearts and he knew what they needed. So the e this evil generation seeks a sign. They were wanting to be entertained. They were wanting to be kept entertained. They were looking for that Burger King lifestyle. They wanted it their way, you know. But this, this is something so important for us to get because there were so many people that were missing it through either seeking a sign, looking for entertainment, or making something about a religion, or like these Pharisees who did that and made it about themselves. Um, so many things that we can learn from them. So I, I want to look at this and get into that and get these, these, these seven things that we can see. So let's pray and we'll do that. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for what we've experienced so far. 
the opportunity to worship you in song. Thank you so much for uh, just the blessings that you've poured out in our lives. And Lord, as we think about the forgiveness that you've extended to us, uh, and even the, the imagery that we saw in a video uh, that in our salvation, our past uh, sins, our, our current sins, our future sins are all paid for. Uh, you took care of all of them as you paid the price for our sin. And uh, God, we can never thank you enough. And we can never praise you enough. And we can never serve you enough. Uh, but as we gather here in your name, and as we look to your word this morning, uh, we ask that you would continue to move in our presence, Lord, continue to, to rain down your power uh, as we look to you, Lord. As we see this example this morning, I pray that we would have our hearts and our, and our minds ready as the Spirit moves and, and uh, instructs, God, every single one of us. Lord, if there's some issues or some areas that uh, we need to get right this morning, I, I pray that we would do that. And in, in, in the same regard, I pray that we'd be encouraged and challenged uh, to be the people that you've called us to be. And uh, Lord, if there is someone here that's lost, someone's never given their life to you, I pray that you would move on them this morning. God, they'd see that you love them more than they could ever, more than they could ever imagine. There's not a, a greater definition of love than what you did for us. And that was laying down your life for our sins. And so, God, if there's someone here, uh, maybe they're uh, struggling with things in life. Maybe they're miserable. Maybe they're hurting. Uh, maybe they're searching for answers. Regardless of where they're at, Lord, I, I pray that you would show them this morning. And they've already seen how much you love them. And they would enter into that relationship with you by faith. Their life would be transformed. And they too can experience that old things past. And all things become new. And uh, Lord, again, just move now. And we'll praise you for what you do. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 11, if you have your Bibles there. I'm going to begin in verse 37. It says this, and as he spake, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him, and he went in and sat down to meet. Um, and when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Uh, so again, here, here's, here's a very, very clear picture. Um, Jesus, again, there's a lot of people that may be criticizing him. Oh, he, he thinks he's better than everybody else. He's a magician. He's casting out all kinds of things. He's casting out demons uh, in the name of Beelzebub. All kinds of criticism coming at Jesus. And here Jesus just expresses uh, love. But again, there's a bigger purpose, uh, uh, a uh, very clear purpose that we're going to just see in a second. Uh, but he couldn't be um, uh, blamed or accused of not being around sinners. Matter of fact, that was just the opposite. The Pharisees were thinking he hangs out with with, with sinners, with, with harlots, and, and, and all these other, these, these publicans. Uh, and now he's going into one of their houses. He's going to sit down and meet with them. And in their religion, in their, uh, their mindset, again, we're going to see it was about their heart set more than that. Um, they're thinking Jesus is way off. He's got a problem because he was invited in to eat. And if he knows the law, if he knows the word, he's going to do everything exactly the way that we do it. And he's going to do everything better than we do it. If, he's, if he is who he claims to be. So he comes into their house and Jesus sits down at the table to eat without going through the ritualistic um, practices that they uh, held to. So he says he marveled that he didn't first wash before dinner. And the Lord said unto him, Now do you Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Ye fools, did not he that made that which is, is without make that which is within also. 
but rather give alms of such thing as you have, things as you have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. A.W. Tozer said this, a Pharisee is hard on others and easy on himself, but a spiritual man is easy on others and hard on himself. This, this Pharisee was mesmerized by the fact that Jesus, that's what the Bible says, is marveled. He, 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 he couldn't believe it. He was, mes- he was awestruck, is what it, what it means. The fact that Jesus didn't wash before he sat down to eat. This guy wasn't considering anything that was wrong in his heart. He wasn't considering anything that was wrong in his life. He simply was awestruck at Jesus. And he held him in judgment at that moment because of what Jesus wasn't doing in his mind right. Now think about that again. He held him in judgment because he wasn't doing in his mind what he thought was right. Spirit of a Pharisee. So many people still struggle with that today. They hold somebody else in judgment because they don't do, not necessarily what God's word says, but they don't do what they think is right for them to do. And they'll write them off, they'll judge them, they'll they'll, they'll criticize them, they'll gossip behind their back, they'll stab them in the back, they'll do everything because they aren't doing what they think is right for them to do. And that's where this Pharisee was. Jesus is God. He knows his heart. He knows why his mouth is is gaping wide open. We don't know that that was the case, but he was awestruck. The fact that Jesus didn't uh, wash his hands, he was marveled. Jesus saw it, knew his heart, and he begins to tell him what the problem is with him and the rest of the Pharisees. And again, it was him being hard on others and not himself. It's a lot easier to point out others' problems than to admit our own, isn't it? It's so easy for us to say, well, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, they don't do this. Or if they would do this, it would be a lot better or they would be, they would be a lot further along. Uh, again, it, it's, it, it's our mindset that we are better than we ad- actually are, isn't it? We, we often put ourselves in a place where we shouldn't put our place, ourselves. And in, in, in that process, when we're convincing ourselves that we're better than we think we are, sometimes we have this effort of having this external righteous show just like the Pharisees did. And that's the first Pharisaic problem that we see is putting on an external righteous show. Lord forbid if God were to begin to take control of technology. I'm not saying he's not in control of everything. But in this moment and what began to show on that screen was the things that were in our hearts and minds. One by one, we would probably just start turning red, bowing our heads, and walking out of this place in embarrassment. We'd begin to to, uh, think, everybody is going to think I'm a hypocrite. Everybody's going to think I am wicked. Many people think that Whenever the, uh, we haven't got there, but um, G- the, the Pharisees brought the woman caught in adultery. Uh, there's, there's a theory that he began to lean down and write their sins in, in the dirt. Because that was his response. They, they bring her to him, and um, this woman's caught in adultery. What, what should we do with her? Jesus kneels down and began writing. He, he's without sin, cast the first stone. They begin one by one walking away. 
But in our, in, in our mindset that we're better than we actually are, we begin to show everybody else this external righteous show. And I'm not saying everybody, but in large part, we all can be guilty of this. But this was a Pharisaic problem that was evident. This guy, again, he, he, Jesus reveals what, what his heart was, the rest of the Pharisees' heart was, but what he was showing externally was, I'm righteous. I'm doing everything by the law. I'm washing my hands. I'm going through the rituals, and you just sit down at the table. Jesus was perfectly pure, perfectly righteous, completely sinless, sits down at the table, and this Pharisee, thinking he's better than, than Jesus is, is awestruck that he didn't wash his hands. And again, I think that we've got to be very careful not to do the same, not to think that we're better than someone else and we put on this external righteous show and whenever they fall short of our expectations or fall short of what we think is right, we begin to be awestruck and marvel at their unrighteousness and forget what's unrighteous in us, our own shortcomings. But the second thing that Jesus approaches in this man is greed. We've already seen the danger um, that Jesus has taught about turning over a new leaf. We've talked about, well, I'm just going to try to do better. I'm going I'm to have a New Year's resolution. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to start going to church. I'm going I'm to get baptized. I'm going to start giving to the church. I'm going to start giving more to charity. I'm going to start doing these, these things that people who are lost try to start doing right to make themselves right in the sight of, of the Lord. And it's just, it, it doesn't happen like that. The reason why is we are inherently unrighteous. Every single one of us. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. And we're born in sin, conceived in iniquity. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if we are inherently unrighteous, there's nothing that you and I could ever do in our own strength to place ourselves in a place of righteousness. Nothing we could ever do could put ourselves in right standing with God. All of our efforts, all of our works for all of our life would all fall short because we're inherently unrighteous and because God is perfectly righteous. So every single person falls short. Doing good things falls short. Doing good things falls short of sincere surrender, and that's exactly what God's looking for. But again, these Pharisees weren't willing to do that. They weren't willing to say, we're missing something. We need you. We need what you have to offer and you alone. They weren't willing to do that. They were in their mind, in their hearts, right 100%. But not only that, again, they were concerned about themselves. See, without this sincere conversion of faith, without them surrendering to the Lord, they had to look on what looked good externally. They weren't concerned with the goodness internally. They, they couldn't think about, well, well I, I, maybe I need to change. And in that position, it opens the door for all evil things to not only be revealed, but to keep enslaved. Jesus' teachings, again, very clearly, were from everlasting to everlasting. From, from, from Moses to him right there before them in the flesh. All of God's law was very clear. And he summed it up in two. He said, here it is. All the law and the prophets hang on these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so not only were they focused on making sure they look good and look righteous, 
to everybody else, not only did they think that, that everybody else was worse than they were righteously, they were saturated with I. And that was that second point, that, that, that greed. The Pharisaic problem of greed focuses on what benefits I. And so you can't keep the law of love your neighbor as yourself if all you're focused on is I. See, greed doesn't consider the needs of others. It only considers the needs and wants of I or me. It can even be cloaked in good and benevolent deeds. There's a lot of people that are greedy that do good things for other people, but internally it's motivated by themselves or for themselves. It's about I. And similar to selfishness, greed's primary intent is more of I. More of I and more for I. But if you're here this morning, you're a child of God. As the people of God, our lives are to be defined by love. Love for God, love for others, and it's to be demonstrated and manifested through our attitudes, through our actions, and through our speech. And all of this should be with the intention of less of I. You know what the Bible says? Very, very clearly, John the Baptist, when Jesus came on the scene, he said, he must increase and I must decrease. Romans chapter 12 says this, that we are to be living sacrifices, holy, presented, presented to God, holy, uh, 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 I said that wrong. <laughs> we are to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. That's exactly what God expects of his people, that his will is to be done, not our will to be done. And so if we have greed in our life, if we're focused on me, if we're focused on the wants of I, focused on, focused on um, the, the, the will of I, then we can't accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And that leads to the next couple of Pharisaic problems. Verse 42, he says this, but woe unto you Pharisees. So now he gets into this section where he begins to pronounce condemnation on them. Very strict. He says, woe unto you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and Passover judgment and the love of God. These ought you have not, uh, these ought you have to have the, to have done and not to leave the other undone. So the number three is this, is a disregard for justice and righteousness, which is essentially uh, manifested through disobedience. In other words, when you say, I, I don't need to do that, I don't need to focus on that, I don't need to uh, obey that, it's very clearly disregard and disobedience. Um, th that's where the Pharisees were at. But that's where many people today are at. Not only with that, but also with this hypocrisy. For the Pharisees, it was about religion. They were tithing, as Jesus said, small garden herbs. And here's, here, here's the reality right here. Please listen to this. They were so microscopically focused on what was right to them that they passed over what was right to God. Again, think about this. We're talking about the Pharisaic problems. They, they had become um, so microscopically in tune and focused and zeroed in on what was right to them, what was wrong to them, that they had completely disregarded what was right to God. So what's the big deal about that? Because so many people, even Christians, I believe, are doing the same exact thing today. So many are doing the same thing. Not just in Christianity, but throughout the world as well. It's in legalism and it's in liberalism. The, the Pharisees were guilty on the legalism side, but it's all throughout the world. And in this, 
their hypocrisy just oozed out. It was very evident, very clear that this is where they were. Microscopically focused on what was right to them and disregarding. And I, I don't know where you're at today, uh, but maybe that's what's going on in your life. You, you are, what you are good at doing or what you're good uh, in doing as far as, well, I'm okay if, if, if I do this or if I give this much or if I go that much for the Lord, but I'm not okay with this. You can be so microscopically focused on that that you miss all the other things that God has for you. And not only that, not only that, but in being so zeroed in and minutely and microscopically focused on these things that you're okay doing, that you feel good doing, or that you're good at doing, you begin to look at other people and say, well, if they would do that, or why aren't they doing that? And begin to, again, have this, this righteous, or, or it's unrighteous, but this uh, righteous indignation, this, this self-pleasing uh, uh, judgment about other people. And that's where the Pharisees were. But he goes on and he says this, Woe unto you, Pharisees, for you love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets. Fifth thing is this, pride. Pride. The Pharisees were saturated Again, with I. We already saw that. Greed, it drove that, but pride. And whether it was the, the, the strokes of their fleshly egos, uh, people greeting them in the marketplaces, as he said, or exultation in religious services. They love the praise of man. But the tragedy is this. Their pride kept them from a true relationship with God and from true worship just as it does today. We talked a little bit about this last week and we talked about entertainment, but so many people, so many people, even gather in worship services like this today, and it's more about them than it is about God. It's, it's more about them than it is about the church. It's more about them than it is about the lost. And in that, we see pride. We see pride robbing so many people of so many things, even in the worship, even among the children of God. There's nothing wrong with sitting on the front row. There's nothing wrong with sitting on the second row. I mean, except for these people right here. No. no. There's nothing wrong with, with, with that. But in Bible times, there were very clear set-apart seats, and there were very clear uh, traditions and things that were to be observed. And those people who sat in certain seats were highly esteemed and highly exalted and highly regarded, and they made it known. And when, again, when they walked through the marketplace, they wanted to be addressed. They wanted to be greeted. They wanted to be uh, esteemed among men, and that was their pride driving them to have that. Again, there's nothing wrong with the front row here in this church. <laughs> Unless you're doing it for pride. Matter of fact, um, I, there's only been a, a limited time, and, and this is not getting on the people in the back row, but there's only been, been a few times, limited times, that I have sat in the back. For whatever reason, uh, it's, it's only happened. And every time it's happened, I realize why I love sitting up in the front. If you sit near the front, and then sit in the back, you'll realize why it's better in the front. 
You get in the back, and some of you know this, and it is like, sometimes, Grand Central Station. And I, 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 I don't see that during the service, like when, when, right now. If there are people, I, I don't really see that. But when you sit in the back, you see that. You see everything. And so there's, there's nothing wrong with the back seats. There's nothing wrong with the people in the back seats back there. Um, but in, in these days and time, in, in, the fair, in, the, in the Bible times, there were people that were completely consumed with those sitting in certain seats. And um, again, it was about the praise of men. It was about getting that ego stroking. Now the people in the back are afraid to move. <laughs> like, oh no, we gotta go. <laughs> no. Don't do that. Yes, <laughs> please don't do that. But I came across something um, this last week that was great. Uh, Robert, Robert McShane, after preaching his last sermon, uh, he said this. He says, my last, some tears. Yet I fear some, like the messenger, not the message. And I fear I'm so vain as to love that love. Lord, let it not be so. Perish my honor, but let thine be exalted forever. The great Scottish preacher, and at, at his last sermon, he said, you know what? I'm afraid that I love that love, the love of man, the stroke of the ego, the exaltation that men have given to me. And he says, Lord, perish that. The Pharisees' problem was pride. They loved that. They loved men addressing them as Pharisees. They wanted them to know what it took for them to get there and for, for people to think like that. And again, in today's society, there's still a lot of that, both, both that in the secular world and in the Christian world. And we, need to, we need to identify that it's a danger, the danger of pride. But he had this Robert McShane, again, this, this reality. It's about the Lord. It's about his word. And the Pharisees were missing that. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5 says this. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain to wise counsel to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 23, uh, verse 9 says this. Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. You couldn't have told this Pharisee anything at this time. Jesus was revealing what was going on in his heart, but I promise you this, you couldn't have told him or any other Pharisee anything. You couldn't reprove him. You couldn't rebuke him. You couldn't share what God's word said because if you did, you would have no doubt been on their hit list. Exactly what happened to Jesus. And again, tragically, that's what happens still today. There are people that are in reality foolish. And what happens is, is when you try to, and, and that's not like a, um, a, um, uh, like a condemnation or that's not a, uh, uh, an attack on people. It just is the reality. There are those that are wise and those that are foolish. That's what the Bible says. And according to the Bible, a fool will hear instruction and refuse it. He won't, he won't follow it. He won't take the instruction and change. A fool will hear it and, 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 and his heart and his mind will get harder. And not only that, Again, as the Pharisees did, you become part of their blacklist. But pride 
is something that's still a very, very, very dangerous thing today. And look at verse 44 back in our text, and we'll finish up these two last ones. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are as graves which appear not, and the men that walk over them that are not aware of them. Number six is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness, and number seven is stumbling blocks. Again, because of pride, coupled with self-righteousness, you couldn't correct a Pharisee. And today, you can't correct a Pharisee. With hardened hearts, with that pride there, a resolve to carry out religion versus having a relationship with God. Pharisees, in all of this, became stumbling blocks to so many other people. See, in their blindness, the blindness of their own heart, the blindness in their religion, because of their disregard, they led people into breaking God's law in ways that they didn't even realize, and that's what Jesus was telling them. You're so far off that you're leading people, and they have no idea, not only you don't have an idea that you're leading people off, but other people have no idea that you're leading them off. Numbers chapter 19, verse 16 says this, And whosoever toucheth one that is slain with a sword in the open fields, or a dead body, or a bone of a man, listen to this, or a grave shall be unclean seven days. Again, Jesus was very clearly saying, you are making stuff you, about yourself. You are following a religion. It's more about you. It's more about your interpretation. It's more about what you do in your life. And in the process, you are causing other people to stumble. So many today are doing the same exact things. Whether it be false doctrine, you know, false teachings, teaching men not of God, or by lives that don't line up with their lips. In our world today, saying that you're a Christian is so easy. You, you can talk to most people today, and they'll, once you get in a conversation, they'll tell you that they're a Christian. But I promise you this, the Bible is very clear when it says there are few that are on that path that leads to life everlasting. There are few on that straight and narrow path, but there are many on the broad path that leads to destruction. So many people saying they're a Christian. Yet for all of history, all of Christian history, sincere Christians have been marked. Sincere Christians have been marked by persecution. They've been marked by devotion. They've been marked by sacrifice. They've been marked by selflessness. They've been marked by love. That's what Christians have been marked by. And so when we look at our lives and we compare them to the, these Pharisees, we have to say, is there a very clear separation between them and me or are there some some pharisaic tendencies in my life today because again christians today th this is what the reality is they can serve another purpose on sunday when the bo body is gathering when the body is here they can be on their phones they can be thinking about what's coming next they can be about a social club and they can explain it away any way they want. They can do that anytime the body meets or serves for the purposes of God. I don't have to do that. I don't need to do that. I don't have to be a part of this. Or I can do this. There's no problem with it. I can do that. There's no, re there's no problem with it. Again, so many today are doing that and in the process misconstruing and misusing God's word just to justify 
their own thing, their own life. You see, I'm afraid today there's a lot of people who claim to be Christians that have made graven images themselves, have made Christianity their own thing and not what Jesus instituted. And the problem with that is you become become a stumbling block versus a stepping stone. You say, what does this mean? So many people come and gather even today in churches all over this nation. And it's not about worshiping God. It's not about giving him all. It's not about receiving his word and saying, you know what? I need to apply this. I need to share this. This, is, this needs to be my life. It's not, it's not about the Lord. It's more about themselves. It's more about them, their purposes. Again, gathering around and, and, and thinking about what's, what's next versus what is now. future is grim if there's not repentance. Look what biblical Christianity is defined as, and we'll close. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says, And he said to, said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? And we haven't got there yet, but look at, look at Luke chapter 14, verse 25. And then went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father, let's clarify that. Hate, hate not means uh, love less in light of the, the love for God. That's, that's what it means. This, uh, the, uh, the translation uh, came out to say hate not, but as, as in, in reference to the love for God, love less. So hate, hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sister. Yea, look at this. His own life also he cannot be my disciple. So, again, so many today have made Christianity too easy. They, they, and, 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 and it's easy to have a relationship with God. Um, but Jesus very clearly says you need to make sure and count the cost. We'll see that in just a second. But uh, you've got to count the cost of following him because it, it means some things. It means that you have to take up your cross daily. It means every day it may be a sacrifice. And every day it is a sacrifice of self. He goes on and he says this, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower setteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to fi- finish it, lest happily, after he had laid the foundation, is not able to finish it. All that be, uh, behold it begin to mock him and saying, This man began to build, is not able to finish it. Or what, are, what king go, uh, going to make war against another king setteth not down first and consulteth, consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000, or else while, he was, uh, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends an ambassador and desires con- conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it's lost its effectiveness, its saltiness, wherewith it shall be salted or seasoned. It's neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. In the last scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? You're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. This evil fruit of the Pharisees was obvious to the Lord. And their characteristics, again, resound through the generations, even into modern times. 
But Jesus very clearly, for the child of God, whose life has been transformed, whose life has been invaded by the Holy Spirit, for the child of God, it is very different. It's not about a religion. It's not about self. It's not about what pleases me, what entertains me. It's not about what I think I should be doing. It's not about what I think I shouldn't have to do. It's not about any of those things. For the child of God, it's very clear that we are no longer our own, that we have very clear directions, and it's this, to take up our cross daily, no matter what the cost, no matter what the sacrifice, and follow Jesus Christ. Where did Jesus Christ go? He gave his life for the call, or for the purpose that he was here for, and that was to pay for the sins of the world. He rose again, and he gave that commission to us, go into all the world, and teach all nations. So our life, as we saw again last week, lived on this earth, is to be about being that witness until he takes us home. It's not about me, it's not about uh, 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 I, it's not about uh, 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 a religion, it's not about what any of those things, it's about following Jesus Christ. Now I'm not saying that the battle with the flesh, that the battle with the old nature isn't real, we all know that, that it is. The world system is a real battle. The things that, that we look at today, the, thing, the, the, the way that we live, our jobs, uh, the commerce, um, stinking apps that don't work. I mean, uh, the, 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 everything in this world, it, 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 it tries to draw us in and make our lives about that versus living for the eternal purposes of Almighty God. And so this morning, as we saw these seven problems that the Pharisees have, I want to look at the Christian characteristics that should be very evident in all of our lives. They're opposites. So you can look at it and see, there should be, number one, internal righteousness, and that should be manifested externally. Number two, that we, it, we should be sacrificial. Number three, we should have sincerity. Number four, there should be a regard for justice and righteousness. In other words, there should be obedience in our lives. Number five, as Christians, there's to be humility. And number six, humbleness. And number seven, we should be focused on, in all these things, being stepping stones and not stumbling blocks. So as you are living your life, as I'm living my life, every day of our lives, we should be looking, how can I encourage? How can I edify? How can I help somebody else get closer to God? How, how can I bring somebody? Again, we are to be stepping stones. The, 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 the Pharisees were doing everything in their religion, and in their religion and in their power, they were causing so many people to stumble and to fall. Christians should be just the opposite. And so when we look at our lives, at some point we've got to do a sincere evaluation. And at some point we've got to stand up and be counted as the true children of God. Am I really a Christian? Yes. Then what we need to do is to pull ourselves from this bottle of drunkenness on this world and its system. The, the bottle that the world hands to us and we become drunk on, we've got to pull ourselves away from that and realize that if we don't start giving all for the kingdom of God, we're going to miss that opportunity. And it's going to be too late. Just like the unfaithful servant who missed his, who hid that in, in the earth and said back to the Lord, here, here, you have, 
you have what was yours. We won't have that. We won't have another shot. The question I want to ask as our musicians come is this. For Jesus Christ, the Pharisees, it wasn't enough. He wasn't enough. For, for, for the Pharisees, Jesus' program, his plan, it wasn't enough. They had their own stuff. What pleased them? What gave them exaltation? What made them look good? What stroked their egos? That's what they had. Jesus wasn't enough. So the question this morning that I think every single one of us need to answer is this. When will Christ be enough for his own people? Think about that. Is Jesus Christ enough for me? You know, we sing, there's a song. It says, you can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. When will Jesus be enough for his own people? And then the second question on the back of that is this. When will his program be more important than our program? I want you to answer that question this morning. As I've had to answer that question, and it's hard. I pray that it's now. I pray that he is enough for us right now. And I pray that his program is more important than ours right now. And if it's not, we will, we will say, you know what? I don't want to miss it like the Pharisees were. Again, we, we've already talked about this. They were, they were the religious crowd. They were, if somebody had a problem, if somebody had an issue, if there was a struggle, if there was a cultural problem, they went to the Pharisees. They were supposed to be the experts. They were supposed to be the one that had all the answers. And Jesus came on the scene and revealed they had it completely wrong. And please listen, church. I don't want us to be the people of God like the Pharisees were the people of God and have completely missed the point of it all. Because if you're a child of God, I'm a child of God, and we're here in 2017, and time is ticking on, and we're getting closer to his return, then we've got we've to answer these questions. Is Jesus enough for me? When is, when is he going to be enough if he's not enough? And when is his program going to be enough for me? When, when will I stop be, being saturated and infatuated and drunk on the system of this world, being consumed by it and focused on it versus realizing that I have a citizenship that's in heaven? And I better start living like that. Like I'm an ambassador here, not a resident here. Like, like, like I'm, I'm a citizen of another country, not of this country. And then that I've got a great responsibility that I only have a short amount of time to get it, get it accomplished in. And I want to get it done now so that I'm not like that unfaithful servant who missed his opportunity in his greed and selfishness, consumed with his own program and not focused on God. So this morning, please answer that question. And maybe you just come this morning and say, Lord, I want you to be enough. That's me. I, I come to church. I live my life every day. And I'm, I'm thinking more about me and what I want to do for you. And I'm thinking more about me and what I can do for you versus coming every single day to you and saying, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Not, not here's what I'll do. Here's what I want to do. No, no, no. God, here I am. Send me. And I pray that, that you'll answer that, that you'll uh, grab hold of that. And that will be every single one of our
passions. Lord, I want you to be enough. I want your program to be more important than mine. I want to be that living sacrifice poured out for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would just help us this morning. And I think sometimes we can become more like the Pharisees than, than we think we, than we, act, than we are. Well, I pray you help us in this. I pray that we wouldn't be greedy, filled with self, that we wouldn't try to put on an external righteous show. Lord, that we wouldn't be prideful and self-righteous. Help us be sincere, humble, selfless, sacrificing, obedient servants. God, that you can use up, that bring glory to your name, that exalt you in our lives. And again, I pray that we would answer that question this morning, whether it's in our seat or at this altar. And God, we determine that today, right now, is when you are enough for us. Right now is when your program is more important than our program. And we'll walk out of this place different, Lord. We'll walk out with a passion, with a vision, with a focus of being your children, being your ambassadors before it's too late. So, Lord, I pray you move now. We'll praise you for it all. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.